Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I am not your usual host, Louis McParlane. He's currently away, uh, supposedly celebrating his birthday somewhere over in Scotland. I'm sure he's uh, up to nothing mischievous. Uh, in any case, happy birthday, Lewis. And today I'll be hosting. I'm Pierre Paul Birmingham. With us this week, as usual, for the preview show, hello, Thomas Wiseman. Hello. Are you excited to uh, return to a weekend of Ligue 1 in which, firstly, your team, Angers, will be playing, but secondly, French teams actually might have a chance of winning something? <laughs> yeah, it should, be, uh, it should be exciting, yeah. Also with us here, uh, Adrien Drill. Hi, Adrien. Hi, guys. Hi. How's your week been? Um, great. Great. Great week. Strange, um, strange feeling at the end of the PSG game, but great. <laughs> great. Yes, uh, we'll be getting onto that shortly. And we're very lucky to have Lee Davy with us here. Hi, Lee. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. You were at the Real Madrid PSG game. I was, yes. My third trip uh, to uh, the Santiago Bernabeu in the last four years PSG had been there so oh, wow. um, I was uh, I've attended all of them and um, I would say I was happiest with the uh, with the result on Tuesday out of the three <laughs> yeah uh, well I, I, you're very fortunate to get to go to all of those that's a uh, yeah tell us a little bit about how it was uh, back on Tuesday yeah um, uh, very rainy in Madrid not the nicest of days mm. but um Certainly didn't dampen the spirits of the uh, PSG supporters. I believe there was about three, between three and four thousand fans there. Really great following. Lots of noise, lots of uh, um, enthusiasm, you know, lots of anticipation ahead of the game. Um, certainly, yeah, it was very relaxed, um, more relaxed than it's been in, in previous visits to the Bernabeu, uh, simply because PSG were coasting in the, in, in the group. And um, there was almost kind of like a feel. Um, beforehand, uh, that fans expected PSG to certainly not lose the game, um, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of optimism um, prior to the game. And um, yeah, getting into the stadium, the fans were in full voice, as as per usual, and uh, happy to come away with a point in which was a pretty tough game. Let's be honest. A lot of optimism going into the game. Uh, you said there, maybe Adrien, maybe a little bit too relaxed, a little bit too confident for PSG. The first half was you know, not the best. Uh, yeah, probably one of the worst uh, <laughs> I think, uh, of, the, of the season. I mean, that's very strange because it seems like PSG were like unprepared for such, for like playing in at the Bernabeu. I mean, they were, they were sinking. Uh, and uh, I'd really didn't understand uh, their approach of the game and I mean it was obvious that Madrid would like would want a revenge from the 3-0 mm -hmm. defeat at the Parc des Princes and so I mean they really uh, sank in in the first half and uh, yeah very very difficult first half and probably one of the most difficult halves they've ever had well they had they've had in the, in, in the season Oh, in this season, yeah, that's possible. I was thinking, you know, yeah. th there's maybe a few, one or two others in Spain that were difficult yeah. in yeah. the past. Um, but certainly, for during that first half, 
Thomas, the star for PSG, would you say would have been Keylor Navas? Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, in that first half, it was only the only real um, positive. Uh, it was it was quite a, it was disappointing um, from PSG. I mean, Real Madrid um, did did come out the come out the blocks and play and come play quite um, quite well. But um, yeah, Keylor Navas did save that game from being uh, being much more than than two goals. So obviously, the first goal was scored by Karim Benzema uh, around 15-20 minutes into the uh, first half. What did you guys make of that? I mean, it was he was lucky that the ball bounced back to him uh, off the post. But even in the build-up to that, uh, they, it, it seemed that Madrid were kind of cutting through Paris, no? Yeah. Yeah, it did. I mean, uh, I think the, the build-up was very, very interesting. And uh, between, uh, I think, it was Cavajal and um, what was the other player's name? Um, Valverde. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cross, yeah crossing and... Mm-hmm. Of course, very Benzema, very very fortunate to have the ball bouncing back on him. But I think like Thomas Meunier, I don't really know what he did on this one. But it seems like on TV that he could have placed himself a little bit better, at least to try and put his leg through. And I don't know, but in fact, I mean, it just sums up like how Benzema, how confident Benzema is. I mean, everything is is is. I mean, he does everything. He has luck. He's the he has the luck of the strikers, you know. And yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I thought he was. I thought Benzema was really at the top of his game uh, during this match, mm-hmm. having scored both goals, obviously. But he seems very, you know, he seems like he's okay. I feel like you know the word experience gets thrown out around a lot about yeah. a lot of things, but I think. If anything describes what experience means in football, it's it's the way Benzema was playing in that match where he knew exactly which efforts to make and when defensively as well, he was uh, going, uh, you know, getting the ball back and so on. Uh, so I was very impressed with that. Um, obviously, it only takes one Benzema performance against a good, uh, good performance against a French team to get the whole debate started again. But uh, I, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> if that's okay with all of you. Um, and, and Lee, at halftime, uh, Tom Stuhl switched Idrissa Gay for, substituted Idrissa Gay for Neymar, who obviously had started on the bench. What, was, what do you think was his thinking behind that move and, and you know, how did it work out? Yeah, there was times in the first half when Marquinhos was getting the ball in good positions and actually playing sideways or backwards passes just because there was nothing on. Um, there was a real lack of movement, um, certainly amongst the um, other midfielders and, and, and the attacking trio. And it was really evident, certainly from where I was sitting. Um, so I completely understood that bringing Neymar on would give them the opportunity to get someone who can carry the ball and be positive and move forward. And we always know that when Neymar gets the ball at his feet, he's always going to move forward and try and create something. So that certainly made PSG a lot more dangerous uh, on the attack and gave Real Madrid really something to think about and pose, you know, different problems. Um, but I think it was a positive move. Um, PSG were obviously very, very poor in the first half and, um, you know, it couldn't get any worse. I know that beforehand there was you know, some concerns uh, by some PSG supporters as to the impact of having Neymar um, 
you know, Neymar starting on the bench, you know, whether that would cause problems in the dressing room or and what have you. But I actually thought that you got it right. Um, mm. just, before, just because Neymar's not in a position where he can play 90 minutes at the moment. And certainly from my perspective, I feel he was certainly could would have been more effective coming off the bench and influencing the second half as opposed to starting in the first half and then being hauled off on the hour mark. So I think yeah, I think he got that right and um, that decision. And certainly Neymar had a, a positive impact. Again, still not fit, very clear that he's not fit um, yet and he's not going to get back to 100% for, for a little while yet. Um, and, but, but still, he's, he's very, very positive uh, in terms of the, the way he plays football and he had a good impact on the rest of the team. And, and Thomas, obviously, PSG's other forwards are, well, were in, in very good form going to this match, even though it wasn't, well, I don't, what did you make of Icardi and, and Di Maria really during this one? I mean, I mean, Di Maria was sort of non-existent until uh, Tuchel sort of shouted to him to, to um, come more centrally. And that was, that was the mm. issue for, and I watched a lot of the, a lot of the time when PSG did get the ball, there was no one to... They, they could try and transition and progress the ball, but there was nobody to link up with um, with that midfield line to, to the attack. And it was just... A lot of a lot of balls were just hit towards Icardi and Mbappe, and there was nobody to really link them up. Um, Di Maria, he, he, he got on the ball more often um, when he moved into centre, but he was still quite ineffective. He was getting pressed out of the game uh, pretty well. It was, it was, um, it was a tough match for for all the attackers. I mean, Neymar, you can you can still see that he's he's not full fitness yet. He was he was um, didn't have the same sort of spark and uh, burst and, and, and fiery acceleration that he usually has. But you can see that he was he was still attempting the usual you know, um, Neymar pass and and it wasn't coming off for him. But um, you'd hope uh, that. Hopefully he'll he'll get back to to that form. Right, and and now I don't really like talking about refereeing, but does anyone have strong feelings about the VAR incident which happened? Uh, yeah. This was just before halftime. Um, well, <laughs> well, I'm sure we've all got something to say. Certainly, <laughs> um, disappointing. I think just because. VAR has got its its uses, and I totally understand why it's come in and why it's being used. And you know, I think that certainly in in, in Europe, it's a lot more efficient than it is in, in certainly in the Premier League, as we've seen a lot of problems in in, in the Premier League. Um, but Tuesday was it shocked me really. It really shocked me that decision, just because I think VAR needs to be used for in, in for the correct decisions, and it needs to be used and implemented properly for the real big decisions. And for me to pull that back that far for, okay, it was a nudge. It was a slight push. I understand that. But for the referee Mm. to wave that on and he had a wonderful position, let's be honest, this wasn't something that was, you know, that that was, it wasn't precarious in any way. He he had the most fantastic view of that. He waved it on. And again, for me, also just to, to give a free kick on the edge of the box, I mean, for me, it was a clear penalty. It looked very much in the box to me. So there was a few errors going on there. I mean, to put it back that far, I mean, where, where, does, it, where does it end? Where, you know, at what point does, you know, where, what, what point is the cutoff? It, it, it was so far back and I don't know, it's, 
I'm, I'm, I was a big advocate of VAR when it came in. I thought we'd improve the mm. game, but um, slowly but surely, I'm, I'm struggling with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a question of, as you say, like how far do you pull it back? And, and then it becomes a, almost a case-by-case case question according to various kind of random and, and, and slightly ridiculous scenarios. I mean, I, for one, when it, w- it was Gay who pushed Marcelo, I think, right? Yeah. And, and to be fair, that it was, there was a foul there, I thought. And as soon as I saw Di Maria running away with the ball, I knew if anything was going to happen, this would be controversial because, because of that foul that hadn't been blown. But yeah, in a way, it's confusing because they're not, you know, they're not reversing the the referee's decision to send off Courtois or 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 give him or give a penalty or a free kick or whatever it was. They're reversing the original decision that there wasn't a foul back in in midfield, which has simply happened because of a later. I mean, the the reversal of that decision has only happened because of a later incident, and yeah. it just. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it, it it becomes so complicated. And, and when do you, you know, when do you give your trust to the referee and uh, allow him just to make the decision, even if, even if it's the wrong one, not necessarily, which I think is kind of the ref's uh, job, really. Um, but anyways, despite the uh, possible unfairness of that moment for PSG, Adrien, there was a miraculous or lucky or I, I don't know, how would you like to call it? Three minutes between the 80th and the 83rd, which saw the Parisians score twice and, and pull off a draw. Yeah, uh, indeed. Like, I think I, did, I personally, I didn't, didn't even realize that Paris were, were like backing it because the, the first, uh, first goal came a little bit out of nowhere. I mean... Mm. Um, how how can Varane and Courtois not really speak to each other? I mean, like they both speak French, and I don't know. This ball <laughs> miraculously goes through Courtois and and Varane, and Mbappe is like put it puts it in. Even though, by the way, Mbappe I think didn't have uh, his best game um, of the season, by the way, but he was there to put it in and. I think it really. Um, I think the, the the fact is, I think Madrid, um, Madrid, sorry, uh, didn't really panic, but it gave Paris a sort of edge, you know, that it was possible to come back, and I think that was the difference that Madrid didn't really uh, think that Paris could uh, come back, so they were like playing the same way, and mm. but Paris really thought it was possible, so. I mean, but, you know, in the meantime, the second goal came out a little bit of nowhere as well. I mean, Sarabia was just, like, well-placed, and he... Great finish, though. Yeah, great finish in top bin, and, I mean, yeah, very, very strange moment. It's, it's, it sums up, I think, Paris in the, in the Champions League that they are the most unpredictable team in Europe, I think. So, yeah, very, very strange uh, five minutes. In, in, in such a game. Yeah, does anybody see... I mean, this is the question I had after this match, really. was: Does anyone see uh, any sign of improvement or any sign that might suggest that PSG will be improving in the Champions League 
this season compared to you know the last few years which have always ended in, in disappointment um it's hard to say i've always said with the champions league a lot depends on the draw um mm. you know it depends on your route which psg have uh, been handed some real tough draws in, re- in recent years um the group but, stage is not been the problem, is it? Let's be honest. It's always been the knockout stage. It's, it depends on the mentality of the team. It depends on their approach. It depends on whether they can go from playing Liga and upping their level considerably to play these knockout stages and, 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 and beating big teams. For me, winning big games on the road is something that's been lacking. Um, and that mm-hmm. comes from mentality. That comes from preparation. Um you, you almost get the feeling that this team's kind of set up well for Europe this year. And I do believe that PSG will go further than the the, the, the round of 16 this year. Um, how much further, I don't know. Um, so, yes, I do see some improvements. I do see a team that look like they really want to go further this year. They really hopefully would look to learn from the mistakes of, of, of the last uh, few seasons. Um, but for PSG, I'm just hoping that they are extremely lucky when it comes, unlucky when it comes to VAR decisions and certain refereeing decisions. And I'm not trying to use that as an excuse, but I think the last few years that PSG have gone out of the Champions League, there's been some very strange goings on, um, not just from PSG, but, but certainly through some strange VAR and refereeing decisions. Um I don't want to go into that too much, but I've got my own kind of thoughts on on that and why those things are happening. Um, but again, PSG have got to go and do the business on the pitch. And, you know, that's 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 all we ask of them now is that this team kicks on. It's an incredibly good football team with a lot of quality in. There's no reason why PSG shouldn't be going deep into the competition, but it's, it's in their hands. Yeah, sorry. Uh, just, just wanted to say, um, like, I think the big difference with last year, for example, is that uh, this this type of game, like against Madrid, or this type of game where they play away from home, are were were the type of games they were always losing. You know, even though they were playing well. And this year, it's like the opposite. They played badly, but and in the end, they didn't lose. So I think. That's the big difference from from the other other years. I remember a game in in other games in Madrid, obviously where they like lost one nil and they were like far better from Madrid. And also, I think because um, another difference maybe that would see them go further, it's the like squad depth. Mm-hmm. Play like Sarabia really uh, proved that he could be a good. Uh, Asset and um, yeah, those are the motives of hope uh, I can find from PSG as well. Yeah, yeah. If you if you look at the last couple of years in the knockout stages, in the crucial games they've missed somebody to protect that defense, and it becomes the yeah. defense becomes too exposed. And now they've they've signed um, just a guy, so and, and you can see he's, he's proven. I mean, the amount of work he goes through. And yeah. in the league, the, obviously the defense has been has been have been good. Um, the personnel in the defense, I don't think, has um, gotten any better. But that mm-hmm. protection from from Gay has um, has been really quite underrated, I think. 
So in the knockout games, it'll be it'll be down. It'll be he he will be the difference. Um, I think compared to previous years. Well, I think for me the key factor is still um, something you mentioned, Lee, in in terms of approach and and mentality. Although I would say it's kind of, I, I would give it a greater importance than I think you did. And I think it's really the, you know, the deciding factor. And it's what was lacking in the first half, for example, for PSG here. In that, you know, they came here knowing they don't, they don't necessarily need a result. So they didn't give 100%. And I feel like, you know, a player who kind of embodies that for me, while I think he's wonder he's a wonderful player, no question. But Marco Verratti is, I think, has a kind of he's. I mean, I feel like he's always there when things go wrong. And even yesterday, he was asked on TV after the match. He was told, "Oh, uh, I mean, the journalist kind of told him, look, you guys were suffering out there today. Is that a fair assessment?" And his answer was, "No, but it's normal to suffer in Madrid." Which, whilst I don't, this, I mean, I don't expect it to be easy to play in Madrid, but. I always feel like he has a little, a slightly passive approach to matches like this, where the result is not um, a, a massive imperative for PSG. And yeah, right. yeah, yeah I, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, okay. I could go on for a long time, really, but you know, I just think this is where uh, the the problem and the, the what they need to work on going forwards is um, going forwards. Obviously, the first match is. On in Monaco on Sunday evening. Uh, now, Thomas, Monaco will be showing up without Islam Slimani, who has picked up a two-match ban. Which, in fa- I don't know why they get two-match bans for that. I feel I thought one match was enough. But anyways, um, what do you think of, of of Monaco currently? And is there any hope for Leonardo Jardim and his men? Um, I. I, I... I don't think there's too much hope. Um, uh, I mean, sometimes when um, uh, PSG go away to bigger teams, you'd, you'd hope that the the home home stadium would be quite a uh, a fiery atmosphere. But Monaco's isn't really. Um, you'll, I think, mm. you'll probably hear the, the the PSG away fans throughout the entire game compared to uh, anybody sporting Monaco. Um, but obviously, Slomani not being in that in that squad is a big hit, big loss for him. He's been he's been their best player this season by by uh, a long shot. Uh, really? Benya has also been good, but it's been it's been Slomani really. Um, so and I, I still I still don't trust that the the side um, that Jardim puts out at the moment. Um, I don't think that the the best lineup is there. I mean. Uh, Gil Diaz as a as a wing back is kind of strange. Um, I, I know he's trying to make a kind of makeshift full back, um, but I, I I just don't. When I look at that that starting eleven, I don't think that's what I, I don't expect that to be what Monaco are using um, towards the end of the season. Um, so it's, I think Jardim will probably be figuring out who works best. If he stays in that long, I don't think mm. anything. I don't think the outcome of this um, this game will put his job in any danger. Uh, I think it's sort of a, a free hit at the moment, especially where Monaco are on the table. Yeah, I wouldn't say they they really expect uh, any any points from this one. But uh, Adrien, is, is there you know 
there's still a question of honor, obviously, because this was this was a big fixture in the past few seasons. Um, indeed, indeed, it was. But um, I think, um, well, I don't think this is, of course, a question of honor. But as you said, I think um, the teams have. Well, how could I put this? Um, I think Monaco are not focused on 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 uh, catching PSG back, and I think they will just uh, you know try to make their way in the league without. Um, I mean, for them, it's just it's not the most important game of the season. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Um, obviously, it's it's a good thing to win it because it's always a good thing to win against PSG and like. Two years ago, two or three years ago, they were like competing with PSG and even surpassing them. But I mean, I think it's not the most important game for them. And uh, if there are games to lose, maybe this is the one and maybe more important games to win uh, after, you know. Yeah, and Monaco have, I mean, even though we said they're unlikely to win anything, they've actually won their last five home matches uh, in all, six home matches in all competitions, including a, a one cup one. Um, Lee, f- from Paris's perspective, going in there, you know, what, do you expect Paris to put out their best 11? Or maybe is there a chance we might see Cavani, who did not feature at all against Real Madrid? Yeah, I think there'll be some changes to the starting 11 that started in uh, in Madrid. I think there'll be some changes. I think Cavani will play on on, on Sunday night. I think um, Icardio will, 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 uh, will start on the bench. And I think there'll be a few changes. It wouldn't surprise me to see Mbappe, Neymar and Cavani front three um, reverting back to that, uh, the well, I guess, the, the, the main forward three from last season. There may be some changes in midfield as well, just to freshen the team up. But also looking at some of the run of fixtures PSG have got now running up until the, the, the break at Christmas. Now that it's literally, I believe, there's a game every three or four days. So I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think that um, there's going to be a lot of uh, changes, a lot of rotation over the next couple of weeks. And I think that will start uh, this um, this weekend in Monaco. But I expect PSG to to go out and be professional. Um, I worry more about games like, you know, we had Dijon, Dijon the other week and PSG lost that. And I worry more about those games and games mm. against the likes of Lyon and Monaco, where PSG seems to be up for those games. I mean, just look at the record against Marseille. Yeah. Not lost yeah. for eight years. And, but it's more these games where I expect PSG to go out to be professional and, and to go and take the points. And uh, I believe that'll be the case on Sunday. Yeah, that's quite true. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, busy uh, fixtures coming up, including a midweek round of league matches next uh, next week, uh, which is obviously going to kind of complicate everyone's lives uh, in terms of fitness and so on at, at this time of the year. Uh, let's move to our score predictions for Monaco PSG. Then, Lee, what would you expect? Um, I'm going to go for a 2-0 PSG. 2-0 PSG. Adrien? Um, I'll go for the same. Yeah, 2-0. Thomas? Uh, I'll change it up. Uh, 3-1 <laughs> PSG. 3-1 PSG. Oh, I think I'll go for a 3-0. A compromise of sorts between the whole of you. Uh, right. Well, uh, that's all for PSG today. We'll move on to Lyon next. Thanks, Lee, for joining us. It was great to no have problem. you on. Thanks for having me.
Much appreciated. Sure. Hope to have you on again soon. Absolutely. Right. Take care. Thanks, guys. Now let's move on to the teams that uh, most of which lost in, in Europe this week, starting with Lyon, who played against Zenit St. Petersburg on Wednesday and were beaten 2-0. Thomas, um, the surprise going into this match was to see Jason Denayer playing in midfield. W what did you make of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was um, that was pretty strange one. Uh, to be honest, he's, as, a, as a profile, his profile as a player, mm. it sort of lends itself quite nicely to a, a midfield. I mean, he, out of the two centre backs at Leon, whenever he's been there, he's always been the one that that, that sort of breaks the defensive line and, and does maraud mm. forward a little bit more with the ball um, and tries to play, you know, um, incisive balls through to through to the strike force. So it makes a, it makes more sense. And to be honest, he didn't have um, that bad of a game, um, but. I mean, in general, <laughs> Leon didn't have a great game. Um, it was a difficult, difficult watch because there was just no. There didn't seem to be any fluidity between any of the players. Um, you'd have Bertrand Traore try and take on two players, and then he'd take on two players and sort of not do much with it, and then pass it to somebody in the field, and it gets swapped to the side, and somebody tries something else, and it was it was. There wasn't any 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 a lot. There was a quite a lot of frustration, not much movement um, from the especially the Leon attack, and it was a it was a strange a strange line up, um, and I don't think that helped either. Yeah, and um, what was strange was kind of actually as you say you know he he was Denier was decent in midfield. He, he has the passing ability to do it. Uh, maybe he was. Felt a little bit uncomfortable in terms of positioning at times, but yeah, it was yeah. really the center backs uh, were the defense yeah. was actually more harmed by that move than he was. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because Anderson, who's been a little bit hit and miss since his arrival, didn't have a great day. Um, no. Marcelo was uh, caught out on the first goal. Uh, Although to be fair, marking Artem Zuba is no easy affair. I mean, there there's a big player. <laughs> um, uh, but it, yeah, in any case, Adrien, what do you make yeah. of? Uh, I mean, a lot has been made of Rudy Garcia, who is uh, the stat that GFFN published last night was he's the worst Champions League manager with 20 appearances ever in terms of points per match. Um, and and he had. What did you make of the way he approached this match generally, and you know, not just Denayer as number six, but the substitutions maybe as well. Um, well, to be fair, I, I didn't watch the entire game, but um, I think this is um, quite a well a trademark in Rudy Garcia's. Um, Mm. Europe, uh, Europe record because uh, he, apart from his uh, Marseille uh, fi European Europa League final, final like two years ago, I mean he's mm. never been. I mean I think he's not the the, the coach for who's going to help Lyon to reach new heights in Europe because he's never had this incredible record in in, in Europe, and so. Um, I think his approach was kind of strange, and even with, for for example, Denayer, who's 
as you said, was not that bad. I mean, he's a good player, but I think Lyon lacked uh, like creativity, creativity because mm. between Tuzar and Denayer, those are not like the most creative midfielders. In um, but also in fairness, I mean, something I didn't, I should have maybe mentioned in the question was that there was several, a lot of guys missing, right, from Memphis yeah. to. Uh, to uh, who now? I mean, Terrier wasn't there. Uh, uh, Awa, Awa, of course. Awa. Um, yeah. And even, even, um, I mean, it was it was strange to see. I mean, Guerri kind of make his first appearance of the season in a deciding <laughs> yeah. moment. But as it yeah. happened, yeah. After playing for the like under nineteen. Exactly on the same day. <laughs> uh, he played one half for the U 19s and had to be called up. Uh, after I think Terrier had to pull out, um, yeah. so uh, you know a bizarre debut for him, uh, I suppose. Uh, Thomas Lyon are fortunate because the qualification is still in their hands. Yes, um, I think uh, like um, a few of the teams in that in that in that group, they've they've not been very uh, consistent. Mm. I mean. That that it's 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 a tricky one really because that game against Leipzig um, when they played away they didn't really deserve to win it but they're 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 at home it's going to be a, a tough a tough game I mean Leipzig can are Leipzig safe I think the um, I think uh, hold on let me double check that actually. Leipzig, uh, I mean, they were lucky to draw it with Benfica. They scored twice after yeah, the nine yeah. minutes. Um, it, had, it, was, it was like nine minutes at a time. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I have it right here. Right, so they're qualified already. They've got 10 points. And then okay. Lyon and Zenit are both on seven. All right, so maybe Leipzig pulled some players out of this one. Um, and it... it Helps that Le- helps Leon sort of um, to do better. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're pushing, they're they're competing um, at the top of the table in the Bundesliga. So I think they'll probably focus on the league game more than this. Um, so that helps Leon, and hopefully um, one or two of the players will be back and and they'll just grind. It won't. I don't think, I don't think it'll be a nice game to watch. Um, but hopefully, I mean, you can rely on Garcia to set up a team to sort of grind out a. Not very nice, turgid one nil victory. So hopefully that's that's going to happen. It'll be enough for, for Leon to get through. Um, uh, can we rely on him for that? I mean, I'm not in 100 percent sure. On... <laughs> I mean, maybe 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 in league end, but uh, yeah, in in Europe, uh, I'm I'm uh, yeah a little bit worried now. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's see. Hopefully, I mean, at least that gives us something to look forward to uh, for the last day of matches because PSG are through already and everyone else is eliminated, uh, be it in Champions League or Europa League. Um, so an exciting one for Lyon. Shall we preview their week match this weekend right away? Um, they're playing Strasbourg on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. Yeah. Adrien, Strasbourg, whose form has completely turned around in their last two matches and they they've won 
4-0 against Nîmes and 4-1 away to Amiens, the first time they even scored away from home this season. Are they dangerous for Lyon? Um, well, uh, they, they can be. I mean, um, is, is it like Strasbourg-Lyon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, even more when they're playing at home because they have like a very impressive atmosphere, impressive fat base. And I think they're like very, maybe those two victories and even more like scoring four goals away from home, which is very rare, I think, for, for Salzburg, mm. might have given them a sort of, yeah, confidence which they could, you know, uh, use against Lyon. And uh, they have players who are like, as well, very, very informed. So, yeah, I think it can be a dangerous game for Lyon. Uh, players informed, one of whom is uh, Ludic- Ludovica Jorque, uh, Thomas. Yeah. He, he had a brilliant match last time out. Yeah, he, he, was, he was really great. And I think the form that, that Strasbourg have, have come up with recently is not a surprise to anybody who's been watching them for the uh, past month or so. Um, there's been a, a, quite a, a lot of games where Ajok and, and Motiba have been ju- just been not, not be able to convert any chances. I remember the um, game at Angers they had where they had mm. one or two, I mean, <laughs> right in front of goal <laughs> chances, but they somehow just couldn't convert them. So, And we all know that both them players are, are, are good are good finishers. So it was only a matter of time before, before this this form kicked in and um, if they've got a good a good squad really and, and I think Leon will be will be in trouble for this for this game really yeah it definitely felt like they were kind of underperforming this season and that it yeah. probably yeah. had to do with their unsuccessful and kind of prolonged uh, European qualifying campaign mm-hmm. which meant they started the league campaign with a little bit less team um, and it's taken them a little bit to recover from there. Uh, so, yeah, I would expect they could give uh, Lyon a run for their money. Shall we move to the score predictions? Uh, Adrien, what, what do you make of it? Um, that's a very tough question, actually. <laughs> um, I have no... Uh, I'd say probably, you know, surprising me, maybe, like, I don't know, maybe 2-2. Exciting. Uh, and Thomas? I was going to go 2 2, but I'm going to go 2 1 uh, Strasbourg. <laughs> wow, you should go with your gut. Don't let yourself be influenced. <laughs> <laughs> 2 1, I love 2 1. 2 1 Strasbourg. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah. uh, I don't think I see Lyon winning this one, which probably means they're going to, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'll just go with the 1 1, I think. Um, or no, you know what? I'll go with the two-two as well, Adrian, because I don't think Strasbourg will win, but I do feel like they have attacking potential, so there yeah. should be goals here. Let, I'll go with the two-two as well. Uh, let's return then to the European matches. Lille played Ajax on Wednesday night as well and lost two-nil at home. Um, Lille were already eliminated going into this one. So there's not much point really uh, talking about it, I don't think. The exciting... 
just just on that, mm-hmm. that I, I did watch a uh, majority of the game and <laughs> it kind of summed up uh, the Champions League um, performance this season. They, they weren't really um, out of the game at any stage and they just couldn't convert any chances. Um, they had one or two good opportunities, but it just seemed like it, it seemed like they got kind of uh, starstruck at the team. It's not not an experienced team, Champions League, and and um, it was it was sad to see them, them go out like that because uh, they did deserve much more than the one point uh, they've got. But hopefully, we might be able to see them next year and, and then players at least they've got that experience now under the belts. Mm. Was, was yeah. it a worthwhile watch? Um, not if you're a little supporter, but it was uh, okay. <laughs> playing good football. All right, uh, they played Dijon uh, this weekend on Saturday evening. Uh, um, so, anyways, let's move to the Europa League, where there was one French team with a chance of still qualifying for the next round, and that was Saint Etienne, who played earlier today against Ghent. Uh, but the nil-nil means that they are now eliminated. Uh, along with uh, along with Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg's win in Alexandria, it means they are eliminated from the Europa League. Uh, you know, it it is disappointing, Thomas. Be drawing with Ghent at home in yeah. front of you know such great fans. I was really hoping for better personally, but I don't know what you thought. It was a. I think what after that. After that draw with uh, Alexandria, I couldn't I couldn't see him winning this game to be honest. Um, it was it was disappointing to see, and um, it's it's frustrating with, I mean, a, a new manager coming in and and not pushing on through through Europe. Um, I mean, they had the chances in this game, but it was uh, yeah, it was difficult watching it. It's, it's just. Um, kind of a, a microcosm of, of a lot of French teams' performances in Europe over the past couple of years. Yeah, what is it that... I, I mean, especially in Europa League, okay, we had three relatively good years in the past three seasons, but now we're kind of back to normal. Uh, I don't know. It's so frustrating. I don't... I mean, I don't know if there's any actual reasons for this, but... Um, um, I think that's that's a, that's a long podcast. To do. Yeah. <laughs> that is, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of information and and, uh, and uh, content to, to delve into there. Yeah, it's probably wouldn't be that fun to listen to either, to be honest. <laughs> um, so so maybe we'll, we'll just pass on it. Um, <laughs> I'll mention that Denis Buanga, who's who has been playing well recently, he hit the crossbar in a great shot. Yeah, um, and it, he was the only. Go for it, Adrian. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's okay. I mean. But I, I mean, I've watched almost the entire game, and he was like maybe the only, I mean, player who would be capable of, you know, uh, creating spaces and 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 creating chances because uh, that his 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 shot in on the crossbar is like the perfect example. And I mean, I think it's like a little bit. Uh, the the reflection of Saint Etienne's game is that his shot came out came out of nowhere. I mean, I don't really know how mm. he managed to 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 hit the bar, but I mean, I think I've, I have some st- some stats uh, just right there, and uh, 
there's like Saint-Étienne tried their luck 12 times and they've only had two shots on target on target which is like not that not that great mm-hmm. and that's yeah. kind, of, kind of kind of the um, yeah what um Saint-Étienne were in in this uh, Europa League campaign like very very lacking uh, precision and, and finishing I think yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, and Bonga, he he kind of provoked the the red card as well for Ghent. Uh, Indeed. Even though I, I mean I'm not convinced there was contact there, uh, but <laughs> it it would have been an interesting situation for Saint Etienne if if Bonga hadn't fallen over. Uh, so maybe you know we'll give him credit for that. Anyways, uh, just a shame that they couldn't make the most of the numeric advantage in the last twenty minutes or so. To try to, to get a chance, and yeah, they were just playing poor, really. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But, but there, there's something I don't really understand is that why is uh, Beric um, always like coming in very late? I mean, all the Sunday game games I watch, especially in Europe, he's never starting, and I feel that he could have been an asset for, for Saint Etienne because he's. He's very, very useful in those like set pieces, and he seems more more prolific than Diony. I, I mean, that's some strange choices. I don't really understand sometimes this choice of not putting Berich in the start. I mean, this is maybe just mm-hmm. my own opinion. I'm uh, I'm not quite sure, but I don't know. But I think it's a fair point. I mean, that's their difficulty has been they don't really have a proper striker. I mean, Joni has yeah. been struggling for a long time. Beric has had a few good moments, but not, you know... I mean, ever since he's been there, really, he's he's, he's been a substitute. And he, I mean, yeah. he's, when he does come on, he, he usually does perform well. And he's, if you look at his record, you know, he, he does score quite a few goals even when coming on yeah. from the bench. But he's been with, what, three, four managers and none of them have had the trust or whatever it is. Um, none of them have, have really put have, have really put him as a starter. And so there must be something, something, um, something there that's, 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 well, wrong if he can't, if he can't start. Yeah, you're right. Mm. He's been there for four years. I can't, I struggle to believe that. <laughs> And he has scored 34 goals, in fairness. Uh, but this season, uh, just uh, one in the league, that the one against Lyon, obviously. Um, yeah, that's that. I mean, that's really the main problem, in my opinion, for for Saint Etienne. Um, the other Europa League match was Celtic. Rennes, Rennes were uh, eliminated going into this one as well. They've just had the one point in their Europa League campaign, and it was another loss here. Um, I, I don't know if anybody got to see this one. I was watching Arsenal personally, um, which was just as disappointing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the, here ends France's Europa League campaign this season, and yeah. the good news is we won't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> oh, it's, that's so sad. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to yeah. something more exciting. Uh, a Liga match where there will be a French winner. Uh, well, or a draw, but hey, 
let's hope something exciting <laughs> happens in this one. Thomas, you picked it out for us to finish up this podcast today. Montpellier, Amiens on Saturday evening. Uh, the striking thing with Montpellier in the past few weeks, Thomas, is the kind of arrival of of Deji Savanier into the to the starting lineup back from injuries, of course, uh, which he got just after he signed for Montpellier this summer. Uh, what, what have you made of, of, of him uh, in, in this midfield? I mean, we all love, we all love Teji. Um, mm. It's fair to say. And it, I mean, he's, he's, it doesn't look like he's, he's back to his full fitness um, or his full form, but he's still, he's still playing very well for, for Montpellier. He's, it looks like they're playing him a little bit more advanced a position than he was at, at Nîmes. He was sitting quite, quite deep yeah. and controlled play, but mm-hmm. for Montpellier, the, the having him a little bit more advanced, um, I, I prefer myself uh, deeper in the field, but he's still having a good impact on games. And, and, um, I mean, when looking at the, the, when the, when the season does start, um, Montpellier already had a good squad and, and Savonaire, I believe is, is that, I mean, that person that can really make a difference and they've, they've flirted with, with the Europa League spots, but, if he gets back to form, then I really don't see why they couldn't um, they couldn't get into at least a top six, top five, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, great to see him back. Of course, um, I, yeah, we yeah. all agree on that. My only little piece of disappointment is that it kind of comes at the expense of of Florent Mollet's yeah. Um, position, yeah. <laughs> and obviously Mollet has a, a great connection with with Laborde and the. And Delors, which I find to be lots of fun. Against Saint-Étienne last Sunday, Laborde had a... Yeah, he seemed to have a good match, right? But Ruffier just kind of denied him at every occasion. Um, and, and yeah, so it was unlucky for him, I, I suppose. Here, they'll be playing at home, Adrien, where, where Montpellier usually, you know... Well, they certainly have better results at home than they do away uh, at, at the moment. Um do you imagine a team like Amiens, whose form is is not great? Do you imagine they could find a way to to make this difficult for Montpellier, or will we enjoy the uh, magic of Savagny again? <laughs> um, well, to be fair, I think the return of of Tegi Savagny could really be a good thing for for Montpellier, and you know uh, maybe unlock something at home that they were lacking. I mean, and um, that's always strange, those dynamics, you know, where a team can't win at home but wins a lot away. Mm-hmm. And I think it could be the the game, you know, that um, changes the, the balance. And mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, uh, Savagny, maybe he will not start or maybe he will not play the whole game. Um, I think, but... I think his passes could provide, uh, you know, Laborde and Delors uh, well. And uh, by the way, who they are, I mean, they are like, you know, like an old school uh, attacking duo, which is not very, uh, something, not something we see very often uh, nowadays. And I found, I found them very, very impressive, by the way. They have a very special connection, I think. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, well, I, anyway, I think yeah, this this game could be the game that you know 
changes uh, things for Montpellier and maybe stops their um, their like uh, counter performances at home. Well, I think they're doing okay still. I mean, they're what they're fifth or sixth in the league, um, yeah. which is definitely not bad. Flirting with Europa League, as as you were saying. Uh, Amiens, on the other hand, will be without Aurélien Chedjou, who is suspended for this one, and who's... Uh, what do you make of him, Thomas? He's been quite good, as has Amiens' other veterans, uh, if you ask me. Yeah, um, I mean, Amiens' position on the table, I don't think, reflects their performance this season. I, I've been quite, mm. um, been quietly um, impressive uh, for me. And um, Elsner's come from pretty much nowhere, um, mm. and we all had our suspicions over him. But um, I mean, comparing to last season, have they been have they been worse under Elsner? They were worse yeah, I don't think so. Um, they're playing a little bit more expansive. I mean, de- defensively, they are conceding a, a lot of goals, and and, and I mean. For for the fall last weekend didn't help, but I think Gertner's not not been to his best form, and um, some of them goals he probably could have could have uh, saved. But it, it's I think it's it's the difficulty with the the, the season at the moment and the table is I mean Amion could win one game and then oh the look the mid table they're safe and they could lose one and then they flirt with relegation and does that change? It, it shouldn't. It shouldn't really change uh, our opinion on the season. Just looking mm-hmm. at the table, because on their performances alone, I don't think they should they should be there. Um, they should be more well in, in a safer in a safer position. Um, so it, it it should be a, an interesting match, and they and they haven't been. I mean, they haven't been terrible away. Um, but uh, I think it'll be a a close a close a close call between these two sides. Yeah. What uh, what score prediction have you got for us? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, 2-1 Montpellier. All right. Adrien? Um, I'd say 1-0 Montpellier. 1-0 Montpellier. I'm going to be optimistic about this one and hope for a good uh, a good match, good entertainment, and say 3-0 Montpellier with... Um, right. I, I just... I get, I get excited easily about, you know, that Ford trio... Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. It's, I mean, despite there's a car in being quite a, a defensive manager, they've got. Yeah. I mean, if you look, if you just think about the personnel they've got, they've got Delors, uh, Laborde, uh, Molay, Savanier. I mean, the creativity yeah. there behind them is, is. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the best creative. Well, some of the best creative players in the league, for sure. No, I agree. Yeah. And furthermore, I mean, I don't think there's there's probably not much credibility into the rumors. Um, that we've heard in the past week or so, but I still I would still love it so much that I'm going to bring it up anyways. A possible return of Olivier Giroud to Montpellier was I think in doing the rounds in the British press uh, briefly a few days ago, which although I'm not sure who would fit in where, given that Laborde and Delors are doing well there too, I just I, it would be absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The return of the hero. Um, yeah. <laughs> or to be honest, Jihou- sorry. No, no, no. Just uh, sorry. I just wanted to say I think that he would do well. I mean, oh yeah, know, he would. He would. He would fit perfectly in the game. I think because he has gathered so much experience 
throughout his years in England and in 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 the French team. And I think he in in a system in in, in Montpellier's system with like a striking duo. I mean, he would be I think quite uh, interesting. But yeah, that just like mm. speculations. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not sure they'll be able to afford his. You have to take a, a hefty wage cut to to yeah, go no, back to Montpellier. That's but the problem, isn't obviously, it? yeah. Obviously, I mean. It's something that he needs to do to get into that Euro squad. I think Deschamps mentioned it. So will he take that pay cut? I don't know. It could be. It could be something that maybe he does go for it because he does. He knows he needs. He needs. He needs to play games. But I mean, yeah. I, well, I look at that Delors and Laborde, and does he get into there straight away? I don't. I don't know. No, not, not quite yeah. sure. I. I mean, I would just. To be honest, Mobili would be great, but I would love him to come back anywhere in Liga. And even yep. though there's obviously the question of his wages, there's no sort shortage of teams lacking a, a a good striker, you know whether it's Saint Etienne or or maybe even Bordeaux. I think we're looking into him at some point, even though they've yeah. got good old Jimmy Briand. But it's uh, difficult at Bordeaux. Yeah, difficult at Bordeaux because I mean Costa looks exactly like him, so it'll be uh, yeah, <laughs> it'll be strange because <laughs> they're basically like twins. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, right, um, that's all from us today, I think. Thomas, who's, uh, who's Angers playing this weekend? Uh, yeah, we're away at uh, Nice. To Nice, ooh. Ooh, that could be, you know, Nice are not doing well. Yes, it should be. I mean, it should be a, a interesting game. The last time we were away at Nice, um, Santa Maria played in net for the last couple of minutes, which is, uh, which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that tall, is he? Uh, he's about, I think, six foot. Oh, okay. I I had him, for some reason in my head, I pictured him smaller, but that's fair. Uh, right, well, good luck to Angers, as always. Uh, it's fun seeing them doing so well. Up in the top three still. And uh, Adrien, uh, thank you for joining us as well, and hope you have a good weekend. Yeah, thank you very much, you too. And thanks, Thomas. As always, you can find more news from on French football at GFFN on Twitter and getfootballnewsfrance.com. And I'll be back with Mo and some others on Monday to talk about the Ligue 1's action. Lewis will be back next week for the preview show. Uh, thank you for listening.